Hello, my name is Isaiah. I'm the interviewer. Today I have with me Raven, who is a scribe, Hope, who is an interviewer and assistant audio tech, and we have Tyler, who is our audio tech. And today we will be talking about climate change through farming. Climate change affects people all around the world. A study done by the World Bank estimates that within the next 20 years, 143 million people will be forced to leave their homes because of climate change. We visited a farmer at Warren Wilson College to find out how climate affects farmland and the food we all eat. Hope is something you manifest. On March 14th, 2019, we visited Warren Wilson College to interview a staff member, Asher Wright, a farm manager at the college. He's been working there for four years and has an MS in animal science from Clemson University. How does climate change affect your work? Climate change affects our work. The, the, predominant, the main way is um, just the high variability of our, our weather around here and weather patterns. Um, does seem like we are seeing an increased amount of extreme events. For example, the Swannanoa River flooded three times this year. Um, fortunately, our system is diversified and resilient, and so we're not as negatively impacted as other operations uh, in, you know, kind of in this floodplain. But that's one thing. We're seeing a more extreme events. The other thing that we're seeing, and this is a bigger, this is more important, I think, is, is, is if if our weather, the high moisture that we're seeing, you know, they do, models do predict that we will become wetter in the southern Appalachians. And if that's the case, then the, what I've noticed over the past few seasons and am planning for is that our weather windows to actually get into the field and do some cropping technique is getting shorter. Whether that's making hay, takes maybe four days to put up a good dry hay crop around here we may only be seeing a couple four-day windows in a season as opposed to a half a dozen or seven or eight or ten even. So, um, and the same is true for our fields being wetter. The years like this and the year before, our fields are so wet, it's hard for us to get in the field and have enough time to do the field preparation in order to get a crop in, um, like planting corn in the spring. But I would have already liked to plow the field if possible. So basically, uh, it takes a lot more time. I see what you're saying. It does ultimately end up taking more time because what we may end up having to do is plow a portion of the field. And then if it starts raining, we can't plow and then come back and plow another portion. Whereas before, I could just go out on 20 acres and plow that all in about 30 hours of plowing and be done. You talked about how you don't really see the effects of climate change here. But the effects that you do see, does it affect the pasture much? It does, for sure. And I don't want to say that we don't see it, but we don't see it in the extreme ways that people are really dealing with on this planet. You know, there's extreme drought in India. There's also extreme heat waves that are killing thousands of people. You know, we don't see that here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I mean. You know, there's places in, As in Africa where the desert's growing every year, desertification. Um, we just, that's kind of what I mean. So we definitely see it, but it's more nuanced and you have to push to see it. And that's part of the reason we are weak on our climate change legislation and the way we think about it is DC is in a very similar place. So there's diplomats and bureaucrats that can't feel it. 
the way that people in extreme parts of the world feel it. And that's why we are so behind on any prevention and legislation that could actually do anything about it. Because we're in a part of the world where we don't feel it. Same with the UK. They don't feel it either. There's a lot of good, you know, UN, all the places where the big kind of global north, I'm I'm wormholing here, but the places where the big global north decision makers are that actually impact global policies, they don't feel it and see it either. And that's why I think that legislation is behind where we should be. As for here, your question was, do I see it like affect the pastures? Climate change is a very real problem that affects a lot of people all around the world in very drastic ways. People are losing their homes, having to evacuate, and even dying because of extreme droughts and extreme floods. Uh, is there any ups and downs on the farm? If so, what have they been? Um, you know, the downs are downs here are kind of the variability of the climate, but that's in anywhere in agriculture, and that's just the weather patterns, you know. For instance, we had a really hard crop yield and I had to buy grain a little bit. We shouldn't normally have to buy grain. We don't, maybe we don't, but every maybe seven to 10 years have to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a down, you know, we're not really budgeted for that. So I had to pull money from other parts of the farm to pay for that grain. Um, And it's, and that's, that's what'll keep us afloat, but it just means that other parts of the farm may not have some of the things they need and we have to kind of tighten the belt. On, on that section till we get to a new budget year. Other downs specifically related to Warren Wilson Farmer, you know, we have an ever-changing workforce. So as soon as I get my students the most dialed in to where they're really badasses around here on the farm and can actually do shit, they're graduated. And I have to start over. We're like a sports team. We kind of go through this ebb and flow of your best you could get them all up and then they're gone and then you have to train new people. And so every so often we have, like last year we graduated 10 seniors. I won't have that for three more years, but I did just get 10 freshmen, sophomores. So in a couple of years, I'm about to lose them all again. So that's a, that's a down. In terms of the ups are the farm is covering all of its costs. That's really positive. Generally speaking, you know, that's cool for a college farm. We have really good meat quality. We have really good animal genetics. People are, they're sought after. So like we just took 10, 10 bred heifers to the sale barn and they brought the highest dollar at the whole sale. So, you know, some of the ups I think are that the system works really well, that students are actually learning how to farm and that people leave here and go to farm. That's to me the greatest success of this operation is that we turn people that grew up maybe in the city and turn them into farmers. And that's remarkable in this day and age um, because the average age of a farmer is almost 60. And also because we have this cultural view of farmers that is very much by design as it's like dumb old farmer out there. Don't be a farmer. Move to the city. Get to the city, you know, and be a lawyer or a doctor. Don't do what I'm doing. Well, that's wrong. And that's that shows a lack of appreciation and value for the people that actually keep us alive. The lawyer and the doctor couldn't do what they do without a farmer, right? And so what I see as a goal in my generation is to change the view that we have of producers because there's nothing wrong with, in fact, there's something really amazing, altruistic, and righteous about being a farmer. You're growing food for people. Warren Wilson plants a lot of different crops, including corn, barley, forage, forbs, and soybeans. Some animals they keep on the farm are cattle, pigs, sheep, chickens, and a donkey. Um... What's your opinion on sustainable agriculture? 
My opinion is that it's a good model for people to look at their system because it has three pillars. Um, Y'all might have learned the three pillars, but the economic viability, environmental, you know, the environmental stewardship component, if you like that word, or environmental sustainability component, and then the social equity, that's huge. Are we a good neighbor? Are we polluting the water? Are we creating smells on our farm and noises and things that are lowering the property value of our neighbors? How are we as a community neighbor? Are we buying stuff on Amazon because it's cheaper or are we going to the local plumber supply store and supporting their business to create a vibrant local economy? Those are all components of sustainability and I think it's a valuable tool to think about how to run your business and your farm. Because if all pillars are equal, think about a stool. If all, if all legs of the stool are the same height, you're not gonna fall over when you sit on it. And that's really an important way to think about your farm. On the flip side, it's dated. Because if you were like, think about if somebody asked how your relationship is with your, with your boyfriend or girlfriend or your husband or wife, and you were like, well, you know, it's sustainable. You know, is that, is that really the way you want to think about things? No, I don't think so. I think it's just like sustainable means we're just kind of sustaining. How about regenerative, making it better? And so I've started to come over the years into the school of thought that I prefer to be participating in regenerative agriculture, focusing on building soil, improving the system, improving the environment, not just maintaining what we have. And that's really what we're doing here. If you look at the soil that we inherited 20 some years ago, it's way better than it was. Our organic matter's gone up, our pH has gone up, our crop yields are better. So we're regenerating this land. We're not just sustaining what we were handed in 1996 when there was a trade-off from kind of chemical dependency agriculture to what we're doing now. So that's kind of my opinion. It's a great tool and, and, and that pillar system is something regenerative ag lacks. So it's really, you kind of need to think about both, in my opinion. Nice. So, okay, how do you use crop rotation on the farm? Good question. Um, you know, way, how we use it is we, we um, integrate our crops and our livestock through, crop, excuse me, crops and livestock through that rotation. So the cropland where we grow corn and barley will later be grazed by cattle and sheep and so what they're able to do cattle and sheep are inefficient in the sense that most of the nutrients that go in it's about 60 percent come out the back door that's not a problem if you're cycling nutrients in a pasture system that is a problem if you're in a feedlot because it's just going onto dirt and you now have this environmental hazard to deal with you have 60 percent of the nutrients came out the back door but in a pasture system, we're cycling nutrients and we're building soil. And what that does is, is that lowers our fertilizer bill and that lowers um, and prevents us from really needing any fungicides, herbicides, or insecticides when it comes time to grow our annual crops, which are corn and barley. So the way our rotation goes is we plant corn and we plant corn. After we've harvested that corn, we plant barley. After we've harvested that barley, we plant a perennial pasture like out here mm -hmm. and then we keep that pasture for three years before we go back to corn so those three years are like a glorified cover crop but being grazed by our animals and so the way we're using our crop rotation is it brings our animals and our crops together on the same piece of cropland over a five-year span that makes sense mm -hmm. 
We don't do that really anymore in the U.S. This is old school. It's called lay farming, L-E-Y. Look that up. It's pretty cool. Now we crop, crop, crop here continuously, and we transport all of those nutrients to the livestock here in a feedlot or in a poultry shed or in a confinement hog facility. And then we have to deal with this massive amount of waste. If you integrate them, you're cycling things because annual crops deplete your soil in the sense that you're exporting those crops off your farm. Anytime you send nutrients out the farm, they came from your soil. Livestock, on the other hand, are building up nutrients because of the inefficiencies we talked about in the manure <laughs> aspect. It just is common sense to integrate them. So that's so basically how- Basically on a rotation of where you take the crops and you plant the crops that year, and then you go back around and you just do it, like after you plant crops that year, you let your animals graze on it, and then you do the same cycle for three years around, correct? Right? Basically, yes. We do not graze the corn or barley usually. Right. We harvest them with our combine, put them in those grain bins, and that's how we make pig and chicken feed. Yep. But then after we've done the corn and barley, we make we plant a pasture that lasts for three years, and that's where we're really grazing. And the benefit of that also is, you know, the reason producers don't want to do that is there's no money in hay, really. And so it's like, why would I put my best cropland along the river bottom why would i put that into pasture well there, if i can't make money off of it well if you're turning that pasture into beef you're making money off of it because you can sell the beef and so not only are you making money at economic viability not only are you making money from the beef but the beef are also helping your environmental component and they're helping your economic component by lowering fertilizer so like the most important thing here is it's super integrated and it's complex. It's everything is connected and serves different parts of the system. Have you enjoyed working on the farm? Oh yeah, I love it for sure. That's why I'm here. Yeah, you don't want to do something you don't love. Don't get crammed in some job with dollar signs in your eyes. You want to make sure that what you do in life makes you happy and fulfills you. Something that your generation and my generation actually got to learn. Mm -hmm. Our parents' generation and those that are even older than that didn't learn that as much. Um, it wasn't taught. It was more about like your trajectory and like climbing the ladder, you know, and this whole game that we play as society. But it leaves you with like a cold, lonely emptiness inside if you're just chasing money. So my opinion, it's about quality of life and not standard of living. Sorry to get on a soapbox with y'all, but it's really important. It really is. I'd rather make 20 grand less but be happy than make 20 grand more and just freaking can't wait till I get on my vacation mm -hmm. or rush to fry, rush to the weekend. I come here every day and I look, get out of bed and I'm pumped to come here. You know, I really am. And there's something to say for that. But I'm happy. That's awesome. Um, how resilient is your farm? That's an interesting, I've never had that question. You know, I'd like to think it's very resilient, um, but I don't, you know, it'd be interesting to think about comparing that to others nationally and what the metrics would be. But, um, we're very resilient compared to, uh, and that's through the diversity that we have, the diversity of enterprises, which are where we make the money, right? Mm -hmm. Beef, pork, lamb, poultry, eggs, straw, hay. It's kind of the don't put all your eggs in one basket strategy. This wouldn't happen to us, but if all of our pigs died, we'd still make money from beef, lamb, chicken, eggs, and the other enterprises. So there's some security and ultimately resiliency 
but not only did the is the diversity the diversity of enterprises is connected to the diversity of our landscape and the way that all the animals are and crops are all interacting on this on the land and so that is also making us more resilient the fact that when we flooded three times this year that the majority of that flood water went onto pasture instead of cropland with exposed soil it would bounce back quicker and that's what resiliency is right all systems have external forces that come on them and uh, extreme events but how quickly can you recover that's a component of resiliency how do you weather the storm but how quickly do you bounce back and our system bounces back quickly because we have pasture and all that cropland. I can just push the cows out of the water and then once the floods res- reside and the plants grow back, they can graze again. And I haven't really lost anything. So I think our system's really resilient. The last question we have is, in your opinion, is climate change bad? It's hard to say because climate change is a symptom, in my opinion. You know, I know the, ch- the climate always changes, but at this point, you have got to be an idiot to not look at the data and agree that it's happening. Um, And I think what's bad is that we are still arguing about whether or not it's happening. It's like, can we agree that it's happening and do something about it? And then for y'all that want to argue about something, you argue about it as to whether or not we're causing it, okay? Mm -hmm. But oftentimes the who's causing it is getting mixed up with the is it happening and it's just slowing us down and creating doubt is not what we need to be doing now we need to be ahead of this because climate the results of climate change will be bad if we're not careful and the sad thing is is this gets back to the global north i like kind of using that analogy global north and global south the people that are making the decisions will ultimately be in some ways the least affected and there is some serious equitability issues with that. It's not okay for like the people that are making the decisions that impact other people's lives to, are the ones that don't feel it the most. I really struggle with that. And so, is a little bit of you know I don't know. Is it bad that you know we're going to lose Venice, Miami? That people aren't going to be able to live in Vegas or lots of places in Arizona? I mean, sounds kind of bad to me. You know, especially if we had the ability to prevent it in some ways. So that's where, that's to me the bad part is like, that we're still arguing about it. I mean, if it stopped now, it'd be, it would be okay. I mean, honestly, I think humans, I think Homo sapiens is, is we may be creative enough to figure out solutions to it. Mm-hmm. But part of that solution is, is, it, is we have to first admit it's happening. So that's a, that's a, that's a loaded question. So I rambled a bit. But ultimately, I think it's. I think that if I had to just say yes or no, then yes, I would say it's bad. Good job. Good questions. Climate change is a current issue in our world today. Thousands of people lose their homes, which is estimated to lead to millions in the coming years. Climate change also affects the way farmers do their work to provide us with quality food. You can donate to Warren Wilson to help them raise money for their farmlands at www.warrenwilson.edu. We'd like to thank Asher Wright for taking the time out of his day to last come and interview him. we also like to thank our teachers for doing everything they can to help us be successful on this project. And thank you 
to all of you for listening to our podcast. Thank you and have a good day.